It's time for Vax Talk. Let's talk VPDs. We're shaping the conversation about vaccines. To learn more, visit VaxTalk.org. Hello and welcome to Vax Talk. This podcast is a special episode. Normally I'd say, hi, I'm Karen Ernst and I'm the executive director of Voices for Vaccines. And then Nathan would tell you that he is a general pediatrician at Blank Children's Hospital in Des Moines, Iowa. But today instead, we're going to bring you a conversation that we had with Heather Simpson. Heather used to be anti-vaccine. In fact, she was a pretty prominent influencer. And then she cracked, she changed her mind. And so we have something that we recorded on Facebook Live that we are bringing to your ears through our podcast. So please uh, sit back and enjoy the conversation with Heather. I'm going to ask Heather to please just give us a synopsis of your story of um, how you came to be hesitant about vaccines and how that changed. Oh my goodness. Um... So I used to be pro-vaccine, like my mom um, raised us to get vaccines and we just dreaded them, but we never really gave them a second thought. So like I got my Tdap after I thought I was gonna get tetanus in 2011, I think I just ran to the urgent care and got it. And then um, I got my flu shot for school a few days or a few years later. It wasn't until we started thinking about kids and I saw an ad for one of those huge docu-series that like the guilt of, oh my gosh, if we have a kid, I have to keep him or her alive. Like I have never thought about vaccines. That kind of guilt just set in. So we purchased it and we watched all nine hours and I was sucked in. It talked about how every single disease or anything that could go wrong is because of vaccines. And my husband was not, he's never been really scared of anything, but he's like, yeah, I guess this doesn't make sense. We don't have to vaccinate. Like we shouldn't be afraid of diseases because they're gone, which ironically that's because of vaccines, but the docu-series doesn't say that. So we were hooked after that. It was like propaganda. But then what happened? We had a child. (laughs) We gave birth. I gave birth and we did the vitamin K shot, which I actually found out later. That's kind of like a no-no with anti-vaxxers because they do kind of view it as a vaccine. Um, I view it as a vitamin, (laughs) but we didn't do any vaccines. And then I was always scared to let anyone know that I was vaccine hesitant or anti-vax and didn't want to vaccinate because I thought I'd feel judged or I I knew I'd be judged. But it was almost as if every anti-vaxxer on the planet at one time in February of 2019 became friends on Facebook. It was a phenomenon and they all like boosted each other's confidence to talk about vaccines and and the dangers and all that stuff. So they all friended each other all at once. And like we, I mean, each of us were receiving hundreds of friend requests each day from each other. And then it just spiraled from there. I posted a little bit. I was the poll lady. I would post polls. I wake up to like a hundred thousand votes and like, I would have like a panic attack because there would be like 50,000 mean comments from pro-vaxxers, which Um, and be the ones with like cats on their pictures sometimes, you know, like you're not sure it's a person, but (laughs) it was a lot. And then I kept posting and then Halloween, I decided to be an idiot and dress as the measles. And that took off like in a ruin your reputation way. 
yeah, that was really stupid of me. And I can't believe I did that. Like that was so hurtful and, ugh, and then I kind of started to think, Ooh, I don't like who I've become. Like, I don't, I don't like this person. I feel like I've been sucked into this like attention world of, I don't know. Ugh. And so I had endometriosis. I have it, but in February last year in 2020, right before the world ended, I was going to get the surgery because my doctor was like, you really need to have the surgery. Like you can't go back to the ER in pain. We've got to get out. And the anti-vaxxers I posted just, I don't know why I asked for advice. Like I don't advise doing that on Facebook medical advice, but they were like, surgery is the easy way out. You just need to eat better. And I went to my doctor crying just from guilt. Like, Oh, is it wrong that I'm doing the surgery? What if I die in surgery and I leave my child without a mom? I have so much guilt. I don't know if I can just eat better. And she was like, you can't eat your way out of this. Like, and she gave me a hug and all this stuff. And that was when I kind of like started turning away from anti-vaxxers to Western medicine. And just the kindness I've been shown by doctors and nurses this year and just the books. I've been reading Provax books, which makes a big difference because you can find anything you want if you search for anti-vax, whatever, to support whatever claims. So finally, you know, I was leaning more and more towards vaccines last month. Um, I was talking to my friend. I was like, I kind of think I'm Provax, but... I mean, I still, I'm still nervous. And she's like, you're pro-vax if you want to vaccinate. If you're going to get vaccines, if your daughter, you're pro-vax. And so when I kind of finally let myself be what I was, it's been really freeing to just trust Western medicine and be normal. Oh, yes, for sure. Turn off those washing machines so you don't hear it. That's okay. I can't hear anything. It's good. Oh. I love how real we're being. <laughs> um, you know, I, I told you I was going to ask one question first, but um, I, I do want to point out that I just now made the connection that you were the polls lady and that I took a lot of those polls. I was like, heck no, I'm not afraid of vaccines or whatever the poll was. for. So <laughs> polls are easy to take and they don't mean anything. My first question for you is that you have published your story on our blog uh, and it's gotten a lot of attention. It is a really thorough look at the story you just told, but also your feelings of regret and guilt and, you know, your desire to undo some of the influence that you had over other people not wanting to vaccinate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we put that out into the world and there's always a danger when you put your story out into the world that people are not going to love what you've said, but there's always the reward that people, some people will really appreciate what you've said. I'm wondering what your experience has been with your story out in the world. It's been really bad. Well, um, I've gotten a ton of su support from doctors and pro and people like you, like that's been really good. And I know I've described it this way before, but it felt like leaving a cult you're leaving this like group mentality and they're not happy about it. Like I pretty much lost all of my friends in the past month. So yeah, I have one anti-vax, maybe two anti-vax friends left and one is never happy about it. He's very upset. It was kind of like shocking that that was the glue that held so many friendships together. And then we can't be friends unless we have identical views. That's very hard. Some of the comments that we got on our Facebook page were mean. They were just downright angry and mean. You can tell people feel betrayed by you. And I'm wondering, you know, what sort of message do you have for those folks who maybe feel like, your decision to vaccinate your family is a personal betrayal against them. 
trying to think of an example. It would be, Sorry, I, I just realized, like, <laughs> let's start off with the hard questions. <laughs> I would say don't put so much of your hope in a person that can change their minds. That's a scary place to be if your beliefs and your hope stem in a human. I would say I'm allowed to grow and change my mind when presented with the facts. And I would encourage you to as well, just be open to the fact that you could be wrong. You might not know as much as you think. I'm sorry if they're upset about it, but I'm just a person and I grew and I changed and yeah, that's all I can do. That's, that's very true. And just to be clear. So, you know, you've changed your mind. I know you've met a lot of people. You and I um, had a zoom call with Dr. Paul Offit. That was just a private call. Um, with the three of us that wasn't for public <laughs> consumption. So I know you've met a lot of people, but what's different now about your decision to vaccinate? Are you still basing what you are doing with your family on what people are helping you decide? Or is there something else that you're using to make these decisions? Yeah. So basically, the the way that aluminum works that I've learned and the way that like polysorbate 80 works and all this stuff, I'm basing our decision off of the science of it and just trusting like there is no way for it to get into your brain. There is no way to do this and this and this, because like I said, if you put your hope in people, they can, but just knowing the science and, you know, trusting in God, I mean, at some point you can't just have this fear of life. You have to move forward in knowledge and in facts. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm basing it on. So that's, that's got to feel good. I have actually, I have a question for you. And then I'm going to read you some comments that we are getting posted on our Facebook page. Um, I'll pause here and just say that if you're watching right now, please post any questions or comments you have. And we'll respond to as um, many of those as we feel like live, <laughs> live right now. My question comes from, you know, having worked with a number of post hesitant parents that being against vaccines, being anti-vaccines is actually a lot of work. And I'm wondering if it felt that way to you, if it was a lot of work and if there's any sense of relief right now that are you, do you feel like you're working less? Yes. It's so nice to feel like you can rely on the doctors and the scientists and not have to do your own research or whatever they call it. And make these crazy, huge decisions all by yourself. It feels nice to be part of like herd community and part of the community and doing your part and not going against the grain of society, just being a responsible person. It's a lot more freeing than you think, as opposed to just constantly being against everything people stand for when you really don't have a leg to stand on. That's hard work. Right. And, you know, I'm thinking too, you know, trying to eat your endometriosis away yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine what sort of dietary restrictions you were advised to undergo. Cutting anything with carbs out was one thing. Oh. So yeah, it was, it was a lot. It is a lot of work. We have a question. What do you think motivates virulent anti-vaxxers? Okay, this is where I'm going to get a little bit harsh. You have the big, big, huge names, and then you have the micro virulent anti-vaxxers that have tons of followers, but they're not the big shows without saying names, you know, but I hate to say this, but a lot of them sell a product and it's usually a health-based product. I'm not saying that, you know, network marketing is bad because a lot of people do well with it, but that is a lot. Most of the anti-vaxxers I've met are involved in MLMs. And so the more um, viral they are, the more they sell. I can't judge everyone's hearts with that, but that's what I observed. So MLMs being multi-level marketing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. What kind of products were you pitched? Oh, I can't even. The big one was the stuff that detoxed your body. It's like TRS or something. They would recommend it after vaccines. I got so many messages from people pitching me. There were so many products. I can't remember. And some of them were genuine good products, but a lot of them were like, yeah, I don't know. It was easy to see through it a little bit. We have a comment. Love your comment that you are human and you are allowed to grow and change. Aw, thank you. (laughs) I like that. I like that too. I think we should live our lives that way in general, Um, not only for ourselves, but other people, that people are allowed to evolve. You're not a tree. That's what they say. (laughs) Question. Do you remember the feeling of cognitive dissonance? When seeing evidence that challenged your anti-vax views and (laughs) when your pro-vax view is challenged, do you feel the same way? Okay. I had a page called Peer Reviewed Mama and I thought of it in my head as I'm going to read peer review papers, but people took it as I've been peer reviewed, which I can see why they took it as that, but they were horrified that I would call myself that. And I was like, why is that bad? Oh man, I finally got it and changed the name. But the whole point of that page was to review peer-reviewed papers. And so I would review, there was like, I don't know if it was the Danish study with like 600,000 kids. And it clearly proved autism was not from the MMR or something like that. And yeah, that's, that's right. They, it was um, a, a vaccinated versus unvaccinated study where they looked at the health records of children because they keep all of those in Denmark. And they were able to show that unvaccinated children were just as likely to be diagnosed with autism, autism as vaccinated children um, as yeah. far as the MMR is concerned. And I dug and I dug and I somehow spun it. I don't know. It, it was a lot of work. I somehow spun it to be wrong. (laughs) I don't know how, like it, it it took a lot of creativity. Now when I, you know, when I search something and I see these things that would have supported my anti-vax views, you have to dig a little deeper into like the details besides the conclusion and just see, okay, what are they actually saying? Oh, there's only five people in the study. I don't experience that cognitive dissonance as much with ProVax at all, actually. Do you think it is a good idea? I mean, speaking of being the peer reviewed mama, do you think it is a good idea for people who don't have an extensive background in, you know, how to read scientific studies to try to bolster their views by just reading studies? No, 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 because that's how dangerous it can be. You can spin it the opposite of what the study said. If you're just creative enough and you believe in yourself enough, and you want it to be the other way enough. Um, I was not qualified to be reading those or posting about them or posting any kind of anything. Uh, Yeah. So I would not recommend that. I would recommend talking to people that understand it. Yeah. You know, and um, one of the things that Voices for Vaccines is really big on is elevating expertise, um, making expertise important again, and allowing people to um, be in relationships that grow trust with experts. So tell me about expertise and, you know, who are the experts without naming names or maybe name a couple names if we're not going to like trash talk them, right? Who are the experts that are actually are followed by anti-vaxxers compared to who are the experts that, well, no, let's just talk about the experts on the anti-vaccine side. Like what qualifies as an expert? 
honestly, um, you don't have to be a doctor or a scientist. You have to have your own giant following or enough money to make a show out of it. That's true. You could even call yourself an Emmy award-winning medical journalist, just really for example, <laughs> even though you were one of like 30 people who won that Emmy. Yeah, you could call yourself that. And um, I, I won't mention this name at all, but I was given the disclosure for how much money someone made and they don't have kids even or any skin in the game. And that was one of those moments where I was like, oh, that's not cool. <laughs> Is that kind of knowledge common? Do people realize like, you know, this character over here, he's, he's making a lot of money. He's really raking it in. No. Mm. No, they would not like it. In my experience, one time I sold t-shirts, that was kind of embarrassing too. It's the World Health Organization labeled anti-vaxxers as one of the top 10 global health threats. So my shirt said global health threat. I was not cool. Okay. (laughs) Bad person. I felt like it was just the worst person, but I got a little bit of money from that. I just thought I just got a kick out of the shirt. And I got slammed just for earning the money because they were like, you need to be donating it to vaccine injured people. I don't think they know how much people, I mean, how much money these big names are making. They are making a lot of money. Well, and it's interesting too, because the people, you know, the little people who are following these bigger people, they're really generous. They give a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It's like, it is kind of a cult leader. Yeah, it is. I mean, that is what it is in my head. So I'm going to go down that path with you before I I think I've got two more comments I want to read, but this is an interesting path because, um, you know, we have some interns working at Voices for Vaccines now. And one of my interns has a really um, lovely background in psychology and she's so insightful you know, she's teaching me so many new things, even though I'm supposed to be the one like helping her gain wisdom. But she was looking at um, some of the functions of the anti-vaccine world. And she felt like there was encouragement to isolate away from the rest of society. For example, through this uh, shedding argument that the vaccines shed and therefore vaccinated children are a threat to your unvaccinated children. So it's sort of this encouragement, like don't get near the vaccinated people, isolate yourself. And that that has some really striking similarities to cults that, you know, they're, they're going to say things to you to impede your progress in, you know, our cult thing that we're doing. Do you think that there's a lot of isolation that is encouraged to happen within the anti-vax movement or other cult-like behaviors? Yeah. So ever since the beginning, I've had pro-vax friends that I was actually pretty close to, maybe about five people, and they would comment on all my stuff and kind of debate with the anti-vaxxers. And I got countless messages from the anti-vaxxers saying, why are you friends with a pro-vaxxer? You shouldn't be friends with this person. Like, who are you? Are you controlled opposition? That's the big one, you know? But I never saw it as, oh, you have to only be friends with people that believe like you. Like one of my best friends at the time vaccinated her daughter fully. She's still one of my best friends. And that didn't even, 
that wasn't something that ever crossed my mind to come between us. So in that way, I thought that was super cool. Like you're not allowed to be friends with anyone that is pro-vax. And then you're not allowed to take any Western medicine at all. You can't use Tylenol. You can't use Motrin. You can't touch it or you're not one of us. That's very difficult and, you know, kind of scary, honestly, that there's so many things that could go wrong couple of comments I want to read for you. My friend Melody Butler, who is the director of Nurses Who Vaccinate, and she started that group after finding a group called Nurses Who Don't Vaccinate. (laughs) So she she was like, you know, no nurses vaccinate. Um, So she says, thank you. I'm sorry. Thank you for hosting this. This gives nurses and doctors hope that we can educate all types of vaccine hesitant patients with patience and compassion. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, from your perspective, what are some ways if a person has a vaccine hesitant loved one in their family, what are some ways they can handle that, that can nudge them toward vaccine acceptance and confidence and can help them trust experts? It depends on how deep that person is. Like if you have someone that is a full-blown conspiracy theorist in your family, that's going to be harder because you're going to have to break their entire worldview. Someone like me that was not a conspiracy theorist, that was just scared. What helped me, um, if you encounter someone like that, is when people prove to me that aluminum can't get into the brain when they prove to me that polysorbate 80 is in such small amounts that it can't open the blood brain barrier. And when they prove to me that the ingredients are out of your body within a couple of weeks and all these studies, when they prove to me that it's impossible scientifically, that is what did it for me. If you can break those down until, until you hit the bottom where it's scientifically impossible That's what you need to do, because if there's just that 1% chance that it could get into your brain, that's going to make them hold on to that 1% and they will just continue in their views. And there's not a 1% chance that it's going to slip into your brain. Um, It's it's hard because they latch onto the stories. And that's what I did too. So even if you're reading all the information, you see all these people that have a kid that was screaming for three days after their DTAP and then never talked again. So I'm, I'm big right now on showing that correlation doesn't equal causation. Like I just posted today, my daughter has been growling all week. She's three years old. And I was joking with my mom. She watched some tiger show. I was like, mom, if I had gotten the DDAP a a few days ago, they would tell me that the growling is from the vaccine. But really what's happening is you have the vaccine while you're also doing life and you have millions of people, millions of people. And so there's bound to be doing life at the same time as the vaccine happens. Especially when something happens a week or two, or even a day or two later, all the various things that can happen in that amount of time. (sighs) That's how it happens. Mm -hmm. I, I always think of the young girl who got her HPV vaccine and her mom found her unresponsive a few hours later um, and she died and the mom was convinced that it was the HPV vaccine. And, you know, it's when that's natural, that's human nature. But when they did the autopsy, uh, she had lethal amounts of Benadryl in her system. So it's, you know, a million things can happen even in a couple of hours that can affect our health that we might not be thinking about. Well, and I've told people this before, 
the day I was supposed to get my flu shot, I started spitting up blood from my esophagus was all, um, it was some kind of virus. They said, uh, that had I gotten my flu shot that morning, they would have said the spitting up blood is from the flu shot. Like for sure. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Just all the things that can happen. And it's really hard as a parent Mm-hmm. to look at your child and say, but I saw this happen. And for a doctor to say, but that's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. That does not happen. You know, you have to have a lot of faith in your doctor to say, okay, I believe you then. When I was in this, the heat of it, all of this, I, my daughter has arrhythmia. So she has about 15 to 30,000 um, PACs a day, premature atrial contractions. And we found it when she was in my stomach. Now I didn't get the Tdap when I was pregnant. I didn't get the flu shot but they would tell me, we think that they snuck her off to the nursery um, and got her the hep B. So I went and got the records they never did. And then they said, well, it has to be from the vitamin K. And she had severe sleep apnea, like severe is 30 apneas an hour. She had 140. So she was in ICU and everything. And they were like, well, that was from the vitamin K because it has the alcohol stuff. I can make your breathing stressed. And Actually, we have a lot of apnea in our genetics, just in our family tree. And I went to my pediatrician bawling. I have a habit of doing that. And say, did I cause this? And she was like, that's, that's impossible. You didn't cause this. But I just felt so guilty because they blame it. And then if it's not those things, it's because you were vaccinated as a child and you just carry the vaccinated injury in your genes. Epigenetics, they'll they'll say. That, yes, that. So. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a comment here. It's true being pro-vaccine doesn't mean that you blindly accept everything. It means that you examine the evidence and side with science. Do you feel like that you are in that process? Yeah, I would not say my identity is pro-vaccine. Just like I would never say my identity used to be anti-vaccine. A lot of people that was their identity, anti-vaccine. They didn't have anything else. I wouldn't say that pro-vaccine is my identity because I'm going to follow the valid science. And just like they found out smoking was bad later, if scientists actually do come out and say this, this one shot is bad, like they did with the kind of with the, what was the old Tdap that they used to do? Yeah, the, yep. Yeah. Then that would, I would listen to that science too, but it's just what science you're listening to propaganda or real science. And, you know, I think just to interject, I think the best way to tell is, you know, what do the preponderance of experts in that field say? What science are they following? Yeah. Where's the money to? Yeah. You know, let's, let me ask this question. We do have a question from someone who's watching right now, but let me ask a question about this. How much money do you expect to make from being pro-vaccine? Everybody thinks that I'm getting paid to do it. And like I told you, that would be great. If you were getting paid to do what you're already doing, I don't expect to make anything. Yeah, no, I, I don't have any money to pay you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> this is fun. This is, and also it's just trying to undo the damage that I did. Yeah, you and I have talked about that extensively about your feelings of guilt. And, you know, my feeling that guilt is really us trying to control something we don't have control over. You don't actually have control over whether or not other people vaccinate. But, you know, you, you can... However, really your story and sharing it really is an invitation for people who, you know, at this very dangerous time in human history, 
need to re-examine some of their beliefs about vaccines? Okay, this is a really good question. I like this question that someone sent in. Did you know people who used to vaccinate and then without any adverse events having happened to their kids became against vaccines? Oh, yeah. The biggest one in that situation is probably the most sincere form. Maybe it's uh, when religious people see that vaccines were created from fetal cells like way back when. And then they take it to the extreme and say, well, we're being injected with baby parts. And that's how that's, it makes the boys think they're girls and they're, oh my gosh, it's so offensive, but that's how far it is taken. Um, and that's what I've encountered most when their kids are fine, but they find out about fetal cells. That is a really good example. And actually the follow-up to that is if so, what brought them into the movement even if there wasn't an injury related event. Besides a particular topic, um, you know, you talked about being advertised at with that docu-series. What sorts of things do you think make people want to like watch that docu-series or make people pay attention to anti-vaccine stories um, when they don't have personal experiences yet? What, What makes someone become that way? I feel like I was their ideal audience because I was so vulnerable and gullible and kind of came from this place of fear anyway about being a new mom and already panicked. You have those people, but then you have people that have a child with an issue that are looking for answers and this caters an answer on a plate, basically. And they are going to eat it up because they want answers and they want to feel like it's not anything to do with them. They want someone to blame. Yeah, I think you're right. And they can't blame themselves either. I'm not saying that, but they do want somebody to blame. We're getting some really good questions in now. First, I want to read this comment because I really love this and I think you need to hear it. It says, Heather, don't feel guilty. You were taken in by the propaganda and now you know better. I, I want you to hear that. Okay, question. What suggestions do you have in regards to handling extreme anti-vaxxers? For example... You know, I'm, oh, it says, you know, I'm autistic. I have no idea who wrote this, but it was an autistic adult and, and a mom of an autistic child. My family knows how I feel about ableism from anti-vaxxers. I lose my cool and you reminded me of why I started advocating for vaccines. I was attacked by anti-vax extremists, which is what led me to seek pro-science groups. You were extreme, so I want to know what triggers to avoid. So again, the qu- the main question was, what suggestions do you have in handling extreme anti-vaxxers? Honestly, block. <laughs> That's uh, they're going to attack you, and not it's so messed up that they would seek this mom that they don't even know just to tell them wh- why they think their child is like this. That's worry about your own self. But it's one thing to try to warn parents before they vaccinate. That would be one thing. But what is the purpose in you telling a mom this, what you believe? A, um, and then B, there's no way you can escape them except to block them. They, a lot of these people will become obsessed with you. And so just block, block, block. But what was the question about the triggers? She said she wants to know what triggers to avoid. Um, I think I'm, oh, she did say she's a mom. I was like, I'm assuming she's a woman. I think what she's looking at is, I don't know if she means her triggers or the anti-vaxxers triggers, like how not to trigger them into attacking her or how not to be triggered by their callous handling of her. I do think blocking them really does help. You know, I think 
Yeah, people give people access to you who deserve access to you. Keep it on private if they're after you. Keep, yeah, just protect your inner circle so you don't open yourself up to all that harm. I, I do want to ask too, you know, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts. <laughs> I'm asking you like to solve issues for me now. So <laughs> you might not have any thoughts, but I'm wondering, you know, one thing that's become really, you know, I've been saying that SIDS is the new autism, that that's the main thing that I see pushed out all the time is SIDS. And we know that vaccines don't cause SIDS, but there are a number of activists who seek out parents whose babies have died from SIDS and try to convince them that it was vaccines. And what in the world can we do about that? I actually spoke out about this when I was an anti-vaxxer because I could not wrap my mind around reaching out to a parent to say, by the way, this is your fault. So have fun with your dead baby. Like the, oh my gosh, who, uh, that just shows who people are. Uh, uh, it's so gross. Like I had to block those things right when I saw them. Yeah. There's a study that shows vaccinated babies are less likely <laughs> to get SIDS. And so I'll point them to that study, but that's a, that's a new low that I can't, I was never able to wrap my mind around. I will say if you um, even have that fear of SIDS, get an outlet. It's those little monitors that would that saved my daughter's life. But if you do have that fear, I mean, some people do have a really big fear of that. That was something that helped us and did sound the alarm when her oxygen bit to the 60s. So. Absolutely. In my day, we just um, checked on them every 20 seconds to make sure they were still breathing. <laughs> Good times. We have a comment that says just, this has to be difficult to do, but thank you for talking about your experience. So, you know, my follow-up question to that is, is it difficult, I mean, to sit here with me and my fabulous living room, <laughs> and, you know, to know that we're being broadcast on Facebook um, and that it'll be on Facebook? Is it difficult to, to share your story or are you getting used to it? I'm getting used to it. At the beginning, I was like, oh no, I don't want this person to see this or this person to see this because I want to maintain this relationship and this relationship. And I was trying to manage who saw what, which is really messed up because people should stay your friend, even if they'll disagree. And I finally hit this point where I said, oh my gosh, I can't do this. They're just going to have to unfriend me. And now that I've hit that point, I don't, I can't care because I can't face people just to keep them in my life. So no, I don't really care anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, um, I think that's healthy. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist, but it seems healthy to me. It's better than how I felt before. Right. That can be really overwhelming. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in to all of a sudden be under a bright spotlight and have people assessing your character and making all sorts of like terrible accusations about you. Um, my favorite accusation that people made about you is that your child really was vaccinated the whole time. The best part about that accusation is that I wish that were true so I could have them over with by now and she would be up to date. That yeah. would be and, but that's just it's just not true. And I'm not going to post my daughter's medical records on the internet, obviously. So I, what can I do except say, oh, well, I'm sorry. Hold on. <laughs> it's just, it's a funny accusation. Like, no, her daughter was vaccinated. It's like, that. that's not a bad thing. I, yeah. And to say that I would go through all the hate that I did as an anti-vaxxer when my daughter was up to date the whole time, that would just, I don't, I don't know. That's weird. But it is true that, Vaccine hesitancy 
is along a spectrum. And so you can have someone who has a fully vaccinated child and is really afraid of vaccines. Those two things can coexist. Yes. They're just doing the thing, but also terrified. Yeah. Right. Which is not how we want people to be. We want people to feel good. Right. I like this question too. What is the biggest anti-vaccine trope that you found was completely wrong? What is trope? Is that like propaganda? That's like a talking point, like something that, you know, they'll repeat over and over again that it's like, oh my gosh, like I really bought into, you know, this saying or this thing that everyone says, but it is very wrong. Yeah. And I know I've mentioned this a couple of times, but I, I had it worded to me in a different way this week and my mind is still blown, but they always say that they have a bunch of studies that have found aluminum in the brain. And I talked to someone that's kind of an expert in all this. And he said, yes, there's aluminum in the brain, but if you look at the bottom of the studies, it's the environmental type of aluminum. You cannot find a study that shows the vaccine form of aluminum in the brain. So anti-vaxxers would post all these studies like, bam, told you so, mic drop. And really <laughs> it's not the same. It's not the same. And then they'd say, well, you have polysorbate 80 and that opens up the blood brain barrier and allows it to go in. Well, you have that in ice cream. I mean, coffee in enough, in a large enough amount can be poisonous. So polysorbate 80 is not doing anything unless it's at an insanely high amount. I can't remember the number, but you would have to get so many hepatitis B shots just to have a chance at one time to have a chance of opening it up with polysorbate 80. Yeah, it's, those are, uh, those are ones I hear a lot too. And, I, and every time I hear polysorbate 80, I just, I get hungry for ice cream. It's sort of <laughs> sad. Okay. This is a long one. It's a comment and a question. Okay. Well, I'm going to read it out loud and <laughs> <laughs> you can read along with me. I agree with others that this is a brave thing, not just because of others, but also because you are opening yourself to the ambiguity of this change and the difficulty of lived in morality. You're a great mom. Heart emoji. (laughs) Did you feel that either not vaccinating or being close to others who didn't vaccinate gave you something, especially as a new mom? What needs do you feel it fulfilled? Did it help you know that you were a good mom? Did it make you feel you were part of a community that cared in a special way, less lonely or less anxious distraction from something or something else? So this is basically... Like, was there something that you were missing that this filled a need? Yes. And I think it fills the need. A lot of the moms I've encountered are single in the, in the movement. And so it was like one big giant community that, again, we were friends with each other. We were just that community support was everything. So yeah, definitely filled a need for me. And I'm sure for most of them. I I remember when I was, um, first a mom. And I used to think about our first little house was this tiny 1949 story and a half house. And so I thought a lot about what it would have been like to raise a child in the Mm fifties, that all the other moms would be home all the time. And that we would put our babies in a stroller and stroll them up and down the, the street and have each other to talk to. And now in modern times, we are alone with our children all day. But now there are computer screens that are sort of like our digital block. And I I really wonder 
if that plays into at all this need for community that happens with the anti-vaccine movement? I think so too. I don't think the pandemic helped at all because then you're even more isolated. I mean, maybe that's what you meant, but we were, a lot of us were isolated in 2019 before the pandemic. And so this was just one way to become out of control. And the anti-vax, once 2020 hit and everyone was isolated, the anti-mask force came. So they're basically synonymous with one another and they had each other to support each other and build that community. And that brought more people in who were um, alone and they found community. And so, yeah, I definitely think the computer plays a lot into it. Even in my life right now, when I see a bunch of friends in one week, I'm not on Facebook much at all. You're getting that community in person. That is, I do. I miss people. I miss seeing people. I miss being in person with people. Sorry, that was just sort of <laughs> sort of sad. <laughs> that was Karen's sad moment. Okay, we've got a couple more questions coming in, and I think we probably have time for these. Hmm. Among the hardest things for me to handle since becoming pro-vaccine is the feeling that my me and my family are under scrutiny now. That if we stay in good health, we are lucky. But if anything at all happens, it's because of the vaccines. It has been a difficult thing for me. Is it okay to ask if you feel similarly and how you manage that? Good question. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It just, I just read a comment the other day that said she's pro vaccine, but she can't account for why there's so many sick kids. I can't even begin to start like where that comment went wrong, but I know that my child doesn't get sick often, but when she does, I know they're going to blame it on vaccine. I know they're going to do that. And I'm, I know that they're blaming my health issues on vaccines. Um, they've even commented sarcastically. Yeah. She's a real vision of health. You just have to get to a point where you either can block the people that are saying those things, or if it's in real life that you just, you know, that that's not what it's from and you can be okay with yourself. You can't, yeah, you just have to get to that point where you're not listening to those people. Just blow it off and move on, basically. Yeah, there's a lot of mean girl stuff that happens. I know I get comments, too, about how, oh, look at how unhealthy she looks. I wouldn't take health advice from her. And what they mean is that I'm overweight, which is um, a lovely thing for them to comment on. Uh, apparently, they think I take up too much room in this world. Uh, oh, gosh, Oh, they're the worst. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's, I <laughs> I don't care what they think of me. But it's really, um, I, I, I always tell people that, you know, we have fallible human bodies. None of us is perfect. So I've got bad news for everybody. There's something, something imperfect about your perfect children. And I know people that have nonverbal autistic children that, that have never touched a vaccine that have never vaccinated their children. So what are you going to say to that? I mean, it's true. Your vaccines and your little so. <laughs> okay, we're getting fast and furious questions. So I'm just going to boom, boom, boom them at you because we have eight minutes left. Okay. Okay. When you were anti-vaccine, how did you feel when pro-vaxxers called you names? Did it make you double down on your stance or did it make you question your stance? It made me double down. For the most part. Towards the end, it made me question my stance because the anti-vaxxers were doing the same thing, but it made me double down like, oh, well, if they oppose it, I must be doing something right. <laughs> yeah. And actually, that's a really good point. You know, if we've got people on the fence and we've got pro-vaxxers being complete jerks, vaccines are great. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, question. Thinking about how the anti-vax movement emerged. No, sorry, how the anti-vax movement merged with the AV movement makes me wonder. Is the driving ideology underlying the anti-vaccine movement more than vaccines specifically are dangerous or that diseases are not dangerous? So with the anti-maskers, it seems it's more that COVID is no big deal um, than, or is it that they think masks, any preventive intervention never works? So that's really complex, but basically they're asking, is this really about underplaying the threat of diseases? It is. A, a lot of it is. I would say it's a little of both, but a lot of it is about underplaying the threat. That's why they want to have measles parties with each other and chicken pox parties and all that stuff. Um, they don't believe COVID is, some don't believe it's real. Others say it's a cold. So, of course, yeah. And then they say that masks are dangerous and that therefore they should have the freedom to say no. So that's their big thing now. Right. And they, um, you know, that conspiracy theory about COVID was pretty significant in your transformation too, wasn't it? Yes. Coming out as pro-mask, you know, coming out as normal. <laughs> I got so much hate just from that. And I was just like, hey, it's like, if your dad catches it, he can die. Like, you need to be taking this seriously. This, people are dying. I can't, oh my gosh, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. The anti-mask thing is really odd to me because it's just, it's literally just a piece of cloth on your face. Like I wear pieces of cloth all over my body. I, I think that there's definitely some anxiety that happens when you put something over your face. I still can't sleep with a blanket over my face. Like I, you know, it, but I know that's psychological. I know that if I put a blanket over my face, I would wake up the next morning perfectly fine. So I think you put a mask on someone's face who might have some anxiety underlying and they probably feel unsettled by that. I think there's similar things too to vaccinating children. You know, you put a needle in a baby's arm and then you do it like three or four more times and they scream and they cry. It's unsettling. Yes. I get that. Totally. All right. We're going to do one last question. Um, this is kind of a repeat, but I think it's worth doing. And then uh, we're going to do a little song and dance and say goodbye to everyone at the end. Um, if you have questions, you know, if you're watching this on repeat, feel free to go ahead and leave more questions here. And if Heather feels like it, she'll answer you. And if she doesn't feel like it, she won't. <laughs> have you retained a substantial number of your anti-vaccine friends or have most of them unfriended you or have you unfriended them? Most of them unfriended me. And then the ones that were left were just kind of harassing me. And so I unfriended them. I do have, I think, two people that see past it and are truly my friends well three of them on my friends list and one in kind of real life so um yeah i've lost a lot of people over it and that's that's really hard because you know we were talking about before you know that isolation um the camaraderie that you gain from the movement that, you know, I, I don't doubt that a lot of the friendships that people make are, are real. Yeah. Um, it's just based on mutual beliefs. And I want to go back and say, I, I do have a lot of on the fence friends and pro friends I haven't lost, but those hardcore people are who I lost. Well, I hope that the people who are on the fence stay with you. 
and watch your journey. Um, yes. Because it's, it's been great. It's been wonderful getting to know you. I'm so glad to know you as more than just the lady who put up the poles and dressed as measles, but as a, a <laughs> you know, as a loving and caring mother, as someone who really cares about her greater community and has a mission about just telling the truth. So thank you so much for doing this with me today and being here and, uh, you know, being such an amazing contributor to the Voices for Vaccines community and um, everyone else. Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you everyone for watching and posting questions. This was fun. I'll try to answer some in the comments too. Right. Yeah. I would, you know, take a break and go get lunch or something and then come back later. <laughs> All right. Farewell, everyone. Bye. To learn more, visit faxtalk.org.